This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Oh, you can tell this is Anthony Weiner's flow. No doubt about it. Anthony, I see as I'm on my way here to WABC, you're making news. You don't just report the news, comment on the news. But oftentimes I come here on a Saturday afternoon right after you've finished in the middle, your solo show, and you're, you're a newsmaker again. Now you've tossed your New York Med cap into the race to become the highest judge in the state of New York. I mean, the ill supremo judge. Well, you know, Curtis, I'm a man of service. I have always said that I'm a man of service. When my state or my city calls, I am there. And who better to be the chief judge than someone who has some experience on both sides of the bar of justice, unfortunately. I can speak with uh, with some expertise. But I, I want to tell you, I am not above political reproach. As you know, I'm still a politician at heart. So if you or your red cap mishpuka ever appear before me, I'm going to keep in mind how friendly you've been to me over time. You'll have to recuse yourself. You do realize you'll have to recuse yourself. But I, I'm so happy that as I walked into WABC here, from your days in the halls of Congress, you didn't do what uh, one of your Democratic colleagues did in Washington Nationals uh, Park as they had the annual congressional uh, softball game and flip me the bird. I mean, who was that? Uh, well, first of all, let me just clear something up. This is seven innings of fast-pitch hardball. There's no softball going on. And the Democrats play the Republicans. We play, we play it in a major league stadium in, the, in where the Nationals play. It is serious business. Uh, Linda Sanchez is a good ball player. She's a, she's a good ball player. I have not seen the full video of where she flips someone the bird. But do you know... You know, as you know, I was in Congress entirely for the fantasy sports opportunities, and I love playing in the congressional baseball game, and I'm quite a, a good baseball player. In fact, today, when WABC, yourself included, plays a charity ball game out at the out in Staten Island right before the, the uh, Ferry Hawks game, I won't be playing because I was deemed as ineligible for the following reason. In the congressional baseball game, I think it was in 2010 – I made such a good catch, and you can look at this. This is actually the God's honest uh-huh. truth. I was one of ESPN's plays of the day. You know how they do that at the end sure. of every sports center? Sure. I was number eight on July. I don't remember what, what the exact date was, but uh, uh, I made an over-the-shoulder running play out in left field, turned and fired the ball back in. Um, and so because I was deemed, and I was playing in a Mets uniform, obviously, wearing number nine, my district number, because I was deemed as having – benefited uh, professionally from that. I am ineligible from the charity ball game today. But I don't know why she would have ever flipped anyone the bird. It is a pretty good-natured game. Many of the Republican friends that I still have to this day, I made bonding over that game. Um, But it is not softball. It is fast-pitch hardball, and I mean fast. I mean, hold on. You mean to tell me you made a Willie Mays-style, I'm going back to the track, over-the-shoulder catch, you whirled through it, all the way in a fly to the infield. I mean, I remember circa 1954. I think that's when I was birthed. It was Willie Mays against the Cleveland Indians. He made that over-the-shoulder uh, over catch in the deepest part of center field, world around, threw it right back into the infield, and the uh, Giants went on to crush the Cleveland Indians and the, also the first African-American ball player in the American League, Larry Doby from Patterson, who played for Cleveland. Are you telling me? That you made a Willie Mays over-the-shoulder catch and you whirled and threw, and you threw a bullet to the second baseman. Well, let me say, I don't know how much of a bullet. I did throw it well enough that I did my ceremonial putting the gun back in the holster after I threw it. Um, 
And if it weren't for the fact that the crack social media crew, Stephanie and the gang, are not out at the ball game today, they would probably turn around and post this clip because it's it's obviously my most proudest accomplishment. You should, you really should. It's uh, my tweet most, that out. You my really most should post that. If, if you know, I, I don't encourage people to Google my name, but if they wanted to Google Anthony Weiner, ESPN Play of the Day. Now you sure it wasn't a Ron Swoboda. Close my eyes, put my glove out, and make this miracle catch in the Miracle World Series in 1969 against the Baltimore Orioles since you are such a beloved New York Mets fan? The, it, it was not that. However, it was. It could have been, if you really want to go frame by frame, Zapruder film style with it, you might say I didn't get a great jump on the ball, and I just made a highlight simply because I was out of position. Oh, so you were a hot dog. You purposely <laughs> got a slow say... start on the ball so you could hot dog it, so you could make the over-the-show catch and once again, be the biggest hot dog, get it, wiener, it in all be. of New York City sports. You can't find enough Golden's mustard to schmear on you. It could be. But by the way, you know, speaking of that Willie Mays catch, if you look at that video, look how much more room he had. He still had another good 20 feet left in the stadium. Um, but, yes, I, I might have put on a little bit of flourish. But, look, it, too, was a game for charity. And I was wearing a New York Met uniform. And, you know, they don't call me Wiener. If you're, if you're not going to be a hot dog, you should not bear the name Wiener. <laughs> well, uh, you may not be playing today because of your professional status, because of the ESPN highlight film when you were number eight on the reel. I would have banned you simply because you were a Met fan. But then again, we'd have nobody to play on the WABC <laughs> side against the NYPD. But that's not newsmaking. You, what you said earlier today, an hour ago in your show, you, you started off the show by talking about how you were going to toss your cap into the ring to potentially be chosen as the uh, highest judge, United, uh, excuse me, New York State Supreme Court Chief Justice. Uh, it's actually the Court of Appeals, but yes, the highest court, the Chief Justice. My mistake. Uh, but anyway, this goes back to the whole concept of. Judges in a lot of places don't necessarily have to be lawyers, right? You were never a lawyer, correct? Well, that's the catch. I did make laws. I was on the Judiciary Committee. It's funny. When I got to Congress, they put me on the Judiciary Committee because they didn't even check, but they knew that Chuck Schumer, before him, Elizabeth Holtzman, before him, Emanuel Seller, there had been a Brooklyn congressman or woman on that committee for basically two generations. I've never, I've never gone to law school, but I have made a couple of laws. I have violated the law. I sometimes discuss the law with you, so I figure I am I am qualified. That might be an obstacle to me getting the job. I'm just going to put it out there that I might need to be a judge to but get that. a lot of people to, don't general. realize, Anthony, that when we were choosing new United States Supreme Court justices to sit in the cases in Washington, you don't have to be a lawyer to be put on the bench. You know, you're, you're touching on a big – last week we touched on this a little bit on the show talking about crime – you know, there is this question about should we appoint judges like we do with the Supreme Court? Should we elect them like we do here in New York? Should we have governors and mayors appoint them? What's the way that they should be both accountable but also immune from the day-to-day -day pressure so they can still do it? There's no perfect system. As has been said about our system, our system is the worst in the world except compared to all the others. It's like an imperfect hodgepodge, but that's true. You can be a Supreme Court just the same way you can be Speaker of the House without being a member of the Right, of and I believe that across the breadth of this state, you don't necessarily have to be a lawyer to be appointed a judge. For instance, upstate New York, and this is, uh, this is part of a discussion that never gets brought up, that Hasty in the Assembly has dug in on uh, no cash bail and uh, uh, the uh, uh, state Senate uh, chairwoman in charge of the Democratic supermajority uh, have dug in because – they are upset that upstate you have Republican judges, because it's a red area, of whom they feel if they see a person of color come before them, you know, it's triple life without parole. And that's why they keep fighting for this, not downstate. Hey, look, the, the, the judges that were previously appointed by Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio tend to definitely be progressive, liberal, or moderate at best. There's no hang'em judges any longer. Like, remember you had uh, State Supreme Court Justice Torres, who I remember because I have nightmares, as I think back now. 
he pr- presided over one of my weddings uh, to Nancy at the boathouse that is now closing. Uh, thank God it's closed. I won't have to relive that <laughs> horror. And remember, eventually, my radio partner in the afternoon at AM 970, the answer was the former governor, David Patterson. And I said, take my wife. He did. And you know the rest of the story. But... You don't necessarily have to be a lawyer. Everyone walks around thinking the only person who can sit in black regal robes and make these kind of judicial choices with their colleagues are lawyers, and that's just not the case. It mostly is. In the state of New York, except for village and town judges, I happened to, before I decided to apply for this job, I did ask uh, Jerry Goldfeder, who's an election lawyer here in town, and he responded that except for village and town judges, you do have to be a lawyer in New York State. But I would argue... That, you know, you talk about the hang judges. It doesn't matter what the judges are to some degree. If you're going to get accused of a violent crime where you're dealing with a police officer, you want to do it in the Bronx because they have shown that they won't. There are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of district attorneys in the Bronx who say they won't even bring serious charges in some cases because they know the jury won't, the jury pool is now, it will, um, won't, won't convict on it. But I think you do, according to Jerry, you do have to be a lawyer, but I would argue that except for the procedural part, which yeah. is not insignificant, yeah. you know, I think most of our listeners have the common sense necessary to be able to say, hey, th- this is right and this is wrong. And, and I have some ideas about what I would do as, as the chief. For example, here's what I would do if I was chief judge. One, no chairs in the courtroom. I want things to move quickly. Oh, people, this is good. People sit around too much. They're like too – they linger. They want to have a cup of coffee. They want to schmooze. No chairs in the coffee. I like that. Every case – you alternate days between the courtroom and they got to go out to Rikers to have the proceedings. I like so that. So these lawyers, the judges, the bailiffs, everyone should see what's going on out there. And I happen to think that it will be a little better circumstance if they knew that they have judges. Oh, and there's room. In. They could definitely build a court facility there, use one of the empty – there's empty uh, – uh, locations on Rikers Island. You, you rehab them. You can turn them into a quasi courthouse to uh, do arraignments, uh, yep. to do court hearings, to actually hold trials if necessary. If let's say in certain cases you didn't want to have to transport the individual to the borough that maybe they got arrested, and this is brilliant. Now the lawyers are going to hate you. You do realize? Hey, that. I am. I am. Re- I am a man of the people. And the final thing that I've got, I should save these off my podcast, Keys of the City, but the final thing, and I just came up with it because you're sitting here, the Alba rule, the Jose Alba rule. The very first day that someone is brought in uh, for arraignment, I, as a judge, I'm going to tell, uh, as a chief judge, I'm going to say, all the judges have to say, is there videotape in your possession right now? I want to see it. Ah. You know, so right away. That's brilliant. No, like, I want to, I'm going to hold back. No, maybe there's one. Maybe the news, maybe TMZ is going to get it, or maybe they're going to slip it to our friend Curtis in the media. I want to know right at the beginning. These are some of the things. If you choose me to be your chief judge, these are some of the well, changes. Well, now let's you're go get. back in time before Fiore was appointed by uh, Andrew Cuomo, then governor. You had Shelley Silver, who appointed his very dear friend. They grew up in the Lower East Side when Cannon Street actually was a street before all of a sudden got bulldozed. The three people who hung around together, this is interesting, and they had salted rod pretzels and egg creams. You had Meyer Lansky, you had uh, Shelley Silver, and you had his friend who became the chief judge, the position that you're vying for now. Can you imagine that? They all went to the same candy is store on true? Cannon Street, and Cannon Street is no longer there because, you know, uh, when they decided to rehab parts of the Lower East Side, bring the bulldozers in, they destroyed that part of Cannon Street. But that's where mobsters, lawyers, businessmen, all gathered up together, not at Ratner's, not at, you know, whether it was a dairy uh, or whether it was a, a meat uh, kosher uh, restaurant, but at those candy stores, and that's where they would sort of, like, mix. Well, I want to tell you something. Now, this is a bigger question for maybe a different episode, but it harkens back to the days of the clubhouse, like where guys smoking cigars, and, yes, it was just men, and that's regrettable, they would get together and say, who would make for a good judge? And the guys would compromise, they'd haggle a little bit, but they were thinking, like I said, who would be good for this job? Nowadays, it's not really clear. There's a lot of use. You saw how many a, a political kind of appointments that, that were ideological that de Blasio made. Fiore, no one is sorry to see her go. Well, so, well, you know, I got to tell a quick story now that you're vying for the top judicial post in New York State. And you already, I, I'm high-fiving you. I love those suggestions you made. But remember, at one point, the boss of all bosses in the Bronx was Stanley Friedman. Right. And judges back then had a kick in to the county dinner, about 25000 a table. 
So this guy named Murray did exactly that. He was a bee attorney roaming the halls, you know, of 161st Street. Richmond? No, no, no. not uh, Hurry uh, Murray. Uh, he's top-edge lawyer. All the rappers <laughs> want Murray or his daughter. <laughs> so Murray pays the fee, and unfortunate, unfortunately, a few months later, he dies of a heart attack. So the widow goes to Stanley Friedman, who was there right on the Grand Concourse in Fordham. They had their, their club. He goes... Please, you have to understand, Stanley, we have no income, no money. My dear Murray, could I have the $25,000? He said, no, I'm sorry. That's a donation to the county. From that, Rudy Giuliani got a wire. And then the next thing you know, Stanley Friedman was being tried in federal court in New Haven. They changed venue. I never, I never saw that. That was the birth of that? Of yes. Because that, that scandal grew and grew and grew. Grew and grew. That's they had Stanley Simon, the uh, Bronxboro president, who couldn't chew gum and think at the same time. And Rudy took them all down because of the widow who couldn't get her $25,000 back. Right. Promise. Sweat. Cross your heart and hope to die. Oh, the way, you can't do the cross because you're a proud Zionist Jew. You will promise to implement your suggestions if you become the head judge of the state of New York. I am going to end. Uh, you, you bet. With the justice wiener, with my black robes. Ah, what can go wrong? What Here come the judge. What could possibly go wrong? Here come the judge. You remember laughing. Here come the judge. That could have been you, Andy. You got my folks. Anthony Weiner, head judge, New York State. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Excellent, excellent selection, Rich. Coming out of Forest Hills, a place you know well, Anthony Weiner, the first of the heavy metal groups they appeared on the stage in Woodstock 1969. Mountain at Corky Lang on drums, Felix Pacpugliardi on guitar, and Leslie West, who I think his real name was Weinstein or something like that, <laughs> who was right out of Forest Hills. Uh, you know, it's like the Ramones. You know, they were right out of Forest Hills within within just a few blocks of where you resided and where I resided for a period yep. of my life. It's amazing. There's the a lot of rock, a lot of rock history in the Forest Hills. No doubt about it. Now, when you would walk the streets uh, of Forest Hills, as I would walk the streets of Forest Hills, I would run into a lot of characters, some of which I didn't want to have anything to do with because of their past. Um, Dracula landlords. Uh, people who were involved in organized crime, you know, people you didn't want to be pictured with, seen with, associated with. Obviously, you wouldn't just walk across the street. <laughs> you know, you would exchange pleasantries. But the mayor now, Eric Adams, uh, over his time of being state senator in uh, Brooklyn and then obviously the Brooklyn Borough president, so we're talking about close to 20 years, uh, obviously met up with a lot of people. Mostly good, but some real characters, some folks we call that have shade on their face because of the nefarious things that they have done in their life. And we have this reverend in Canarchy just four blocks from where I was raised, right on Remsen Avenue, has this big uh, church. It's, he's not a televangelist, but he's got a big congregation. They, they live stream their uh, sermons on Sundays. And we all watched as the Reverend is, was in the middle of his sermon last Sunday at about 1130, and these three guys come in. They got the ski masks on. Uh, they got the guns drawn up, and then they stripped everybody of their valuables, especially the Reverend and his wife. 
And then the Reverend said it was about $400,000 worth of jewelry. Then he upped it to a million. Then he brought it back down to 400000 And our colleague, Dominic Carter, I remember it was Sunday night going into Monday. And I said, what do you think, Dominic? He goes, oh, it's insurance fraud. The guy's out to rip off uh, the insurance company. I gave the guy a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But this story just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And the mayor has not extricated himself from the guy at all. He keeps giving him tactical air support. If you could advise the mayor on this, because this guy definitely is a shady character. He's done time, five years. He extorted over $2 million. Uh, and in the reputation in the streets of Brownsville, East New York, and Canarsie is that this guy is what we call a hustler. Uh, he's the mayor of the city of New York now. You would think this is somebody he would want to distance himself from. This is, of all the qualities of Eric Adams that I like the most, this is the one that I like the most, that he says about the people around him, the people he's met. You're right. As a politician, you as a, as a community leader, as a politician yourself, now that you've run for office, you run into a lot of people. And I really admire the way Eric Adams says, I am not going to judge people by the worst thing that they did in their life. I'm not going to judge them by the fact that they are dinged up. One of the one of the reasons that I really feel connected to this place is that people have said we don't we're not going to ignore what you did, Wiener, but we're not going to hold it to the point that you can ever you've never paid your debt to society. I don't think that is a problem. I do think now it has reached a point though that what this it it's unclear from what I've read from the stories. There's also allegations about this pastor from present day yes. that a member of his congregation has come forward and said that that they were exploited. The the whole element, I don't – I read the stories like you did, and I didn't understand what even $500,000 worth of jewelry, what that looks like, what was entailed. The fact that it happened on screen made me a little bit suspicious because you don't have – I mean, that's a – I mean, unless – this was a really organized kind of like a, a, an organized kind of like old, you know, a, a 1930s style like train robbery. It was a very strange thing that went on. But I don't hold it against the mayor. I think the mayor's tone has been right. He says, look, I don't vouch for every single thing that these people do, but I'm not going to walk away from them. But it's, then it's perfectly reasonable for people to say, okay, well, we're going to judge you by these relationships the same way we judge others. I don't judge him as harshly as you do because I think someone commits a crime, they come back. Obviously, he's got a congregation, this pastor. He's got a congregation that support him. They know him better than I do. I don't believe in judging people from the headlines in the, in the newspaper. So I think that this is a quality of Eric Adams that I like. Well, remember, he came to our attention recently because uh, he was driving his Rolls Royce up to the 5th Precinct. Uh, the family of the guy named Abdullah, who had shot and killed uh, the uh, worker from Goldman Sachs on that Q train right. on a Sunday That's morning. Right. He was on his way, leaving Park Slope to go meet his brother for brunch. And he just indiscriminately shot him. It's not like it was a hit or he knew the guy or this was a gang flute. He just shot him dead. He fled. Passengers fled. They put the story together. They traced it to this guy, Abdullah, who was a hardcore gangbanger from Harlem. And so he arranged to, to turn him in at the 5th Precinct. So he rolls up in his Royce. He's talking to uh, Mayor Eric Adams the whole way. The mayor is saying, yeah, yeah, I'll meet you there. It'll be live at 5. You know, we'll turn him right, over. Right. It's the way Eyewitness News used to be. Remember, I think it was uh, John Johnson. You know, uh, criminals would turn themselves in and be live at 5. And they figure they get a better deal because they, they, they elicit more empathy and sympathy. But the DTs, the detectives said, no way. So they cut him off at the pass. They went to um, uh, the um, uh, lawyer's office that he was using at that time. And then they just arrested him on the spot so that he, they couldn't make the match, the shittock. But the, right there, everybody said, this Reverend's driving a roll. A roll. He's, he's got all this bling on. You know, he's considered like a hustler in the community. And yet the mayor was attached to him like a barnacle. I got to... I got to think, especially now, because he got clouds over his head. Unless you think crime is so bad, the gunman would come in in the middle of a service on a Sunday and hold everybody up at gunpoint. And this is a reflection on Eric Adams, because now the Reverend is saying that every Reverend should be entitled to have a carry permit, a pistol permit. I know Reverends that do for that very reason, but he could never uh, qualify because of his record. Well, I don't also. You know, you you just ticked off. There's a lot of smoke, maybe not fire, but there's a lot of smoke around this pastor. Now, I don't. You say he's attached at the hip. 
you know, he wanted to hand off in a, like you said, like a press conference handing this guy over. Adams played this guy and said, all right, I'll meet you there. And then he, he just sent his cops over to, to arrest the guy. So, we, you know, I don't think I've seen, I don't think Adams appeared in the same frame with, with this reverend. Look, it's not my cup of tea. There is a certain ethos sometimes around these, around these pastors, around these preachers that they have to carry themselves and look in a certain way in the community that they're leading just to kind of be this exemplar of like, I'm successful. You can be too, that kind of a thing. It's not my cup of tea. He's not my pastor. Um, but I think that, that there is an awful lot buzzing around this guy. By, by the way, not for nothing, if you are going to go do a, a public handoff of the, maybe don't take a Rolls Royce there. I mean, I don't, you're making it about you rather than making it about community safety and even about this guy who you claim to be representing. Um, but I don't think the, the mayor, I can't think of what, I mean, maybe you can tell me what has the mayor really done wrong here? I mean, well, I mean, he's he's basically said, I know the guy, I consider him a friend, but he hasn't commented and said he's not not guilty of any of the things he's been accused of. He hasn't appeared at his church, to the best of my knowledge. He's giving it a little distance. So uh, let's figure out the trifecta, the troika, the trinity here. Dominic Carter, who can be heard at nights from 12 midnight to 1, right before the other side of midnight, he's saying for sure it's insurance fraud. Because remember, the guy up the ante said it was $400,000 worth of bling, a million dollars worth to bring them back down to four hundred thousand dollars worth to bring. I gave the guy a little benefit of the doubt because he's from Canarsie, but you're basically you're saying, hey, look, I understand this having been in politics before. You always uh, have some guys with shade on their face, and you got to deal with them like this, Reverend. And so he's remaining loyal to somebody who's been with him actually since twenty thirteen. Well, I, I got to, trenches. but you've seen politicians that are the other way also. All it takes is a call from from the New York Post or something, and you know, so we understand that this guy in 1981 had a uh, you know was was charged with with uh, with something, and they're like, okay, I'm done. I'm returning his money. I'm running away. And or, that's or they'll act if they get the call. Who never heard of him before in well, their life? I mean, the, <laughs> I tell you. And then at the other end of the continuum is you've got to you're told if you want to run for mayor, you got to go raise a bunch of money. You're a middle class yes. guy. You don't have a uh, have a, 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 a a, a bunch of money. I mean, you work, you know, 18 hours a day, and you're very lucky to have this great job, and that John Katsimatidis has been great to you, just as he has to me, but you still have to go raise money. Sure. So you go out, and you have fundraisers, you knock on doors, you ring bells. I'm sure when you read the newspaper who won the $1.3 billion in the lottery, you're like, I got to call that guy for a donation. And then the reporters go through everything that's on your form, because it's all public, and they put them all in Google, put them all in LexisNexis, and before you know, you're answering for some guy that you got a $250 well, contribution. Just from. a sidebar to all of this, Anthony. Mr. T, famous for his appearance in Rocky, the movie, and the A-Team, always wore the gold jewelry right. around his neck. He's out of Chicago. He won't do public appearances in Chicago or New York anymore with the bling because Mr. T is about as tough as you could get, said, Are you crazy? I'd have to have an army protecting me because they're going to want to steal that bling, pistol whip me, and shoot me to boot. And they want it to be on their Instagram connection. Anyway, up next, we got to talk about all the crime and how it's become the uber political issue statewide because of the no bail, no cash bail situation. Right here on left versus right, Anthony Weiner, who made news in his first hour in the middle. He wants to run for the highest judicial position in the state of New York. Being in control. Oh, I love it. I love it. I've already signed on to Anthony Weiner for chief judge in New York State. And that's why we don't just talk about the news, comment on the news. Oftentimes on left versus right, Curtis and Anthony, we're actually making the news right here at WABC. Versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Well, this is definitely... Anthony Weiner's speed here on Left versus Right on the WABC. King. The King. 
But I got to ask you again because you just made news um, at the top of your show, right in the middle. It's a must listen two to three on Saturdays. And if you miss uh, your individual show, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, you can hear Anthony on podcast. What is the uh, podcast again? The podcast is called Keys to the City. We had our third episode uh, dropped this week. We talk about the proliferation of scaffolding and construction sheds in the city, how a lot of them are just sitting there doing nothing, just being attractions for garbage. And, and uh, we we talk about some of the solutions to that. Keys to the City. Also, our, our show is available on podcast. And so is The Middle, the, the show that I do uh, just before uh, we come on together. Now, quick question on the scaffolding. Um, the, this city has become scaffold hell. There are scaffolds everywhere. They've been up for years. More than 9,000. Is that simply because the landlords will put it up, pretend like work is being done? You never see a worker uh, doing any uh, work at all, and that scaffold is up in perpetuity. We see that with public schools. Great edifices that were built many years ago, and they're sh- they're in a shroud. It's not only the the scaffolds, but then they have this shroud that's put over the whole school. Well, as I explained in the podcast, that's how I originally got introduced to this issue. I realized they were up. I started doing some research, and apparently, the school uh, the school construction authority didn't have the money to do the repairs, but they can pay twelve thousand dollars a day to keep the scaffolding up. And the answer is it's not really landlords in a lot of cases. In a lot of cases, it's a crazy regimen that we have in the city of inspections Mm. that even though other cities do it very differently, if you have one minor material uh, um, breach, even if you're the type of material that doesn't flake at all, even like if it's steel or something like that, it all comes back to like so many things do in this city, and we go into this in the podcast – it comes back to a high-profile instance where something fell off a building, hit somebody, and then the city council ran off and did something called Local Law 10 and then Local Law 11, which came up with this insane inspection regimen. And not only do you have to put up the scaffolding, but you've got to put it up 20 feet beyond your property line. So think about if you have a shop. I talk about it in the podcast. My brother had a restaurant that was next to a scaffolding that extended right up to his doorway. And there was nothing he could do about it. And so we talk about some of the solutions to this problem. You know, one of the solutions is a lot of other cities just have netting, not a big scaffolding that yeah. people, the homeless people live under that get full with garbage and are foreboding. You know, you, you walk through, under them. It's just netting above that does the trick. It catches the debris. So we talk about that on Keysla City. Those are the types of things. You would, you would love the podcast. You should check it oh, out. Yeah, because well, one quick note on that. Remember the New Yorker, the old New Yorker hotel on the corner of 34th and 8th. Uh, was owned by the Moonies, Sun Young Moon, and he would put all of his uh, cult members there, and they would go out and sell flowers all day long. And they had to put nets outside of the New Yorker Hotel because many of the Moonies would open up the window and jump out. No. Yes. Really? Check that out. That's wild. They had to put nets up because people were committing suicides like that because obviously you join this cult, you think, oh, you know, I'm going to find Nirvana, and then all of a sudden all you're doing all day in New York City is selling flowers, and people are giving you the bird, trying to hit you in their cars because you're in the middle meeting. And also that newspaper. What was the Mooney newspaper called? Oh, uh, well, they owned the Washington Times. No, but back then, do you remember when there was the newspaper strike in the city and the only paper that was around was the Mooney Mooney newspaper? Right. But that's a wild story. But, yeah, there's a scaffolding. It's called Keys to the City. You can get it anywhere you, get, you, you download podcasts. Now, interesting, Abe, who was killed, mm-hmm. uh, the, prime, the former prime minister of Japan, the reason that that guy killed him, the reason he gave, is that Abe's mother was giving all of her money to Unification Church, which is Korean. Right. But they have a presence throughout Asia, throughout North America, and really they just bilk bilk the people who are participants, and he figured, I'm going to get Abby. But anyway, back on track. The news story of the day, and just a little more explanation. The chief justice of New York State, Fiore, was appointed by Andrew Cuomo, first female chief justice. Now, I had read something in Westchester that there was an allegation against her or her husband, and she said, I've had enough of this, and then decided to resign, which... I thought it was very odd because it's not like she's a senior citizen or ready for retirement. Uh, do you know any other reason I, as to I why she would uh, fold her tent and hand in her black regal robes? Well, there were, first of all, apparently, from just what I, you know, as I've looked around a little bit about this issue, and by the way, it's 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 an appointment that has to be made by Kathy Hochul. Yeah. So I'm filling out the application. I've got the application here. Good. Good. Um, but 
apparently she was unpopular on both sides of the aisle. Like, no one really liked her. And there was this idea of giving Hochul a chance to make the appointment herself as something she could do politically going into the campaign. I don't know how how it would strike people. You know, how, you know, she maybe she'll appoint someone of color, or maybe she'll appoint someone a Republican to show that she's bipartisan. I don't know, but from what I understand, that there was some allegation. Fiore said that her resignation has nothing to do with this; that she wanted some new blood. By the way, her great claim to fame is striking down the redistricting that the Democrats had drawn. Thank that, God. That overreaching God. gerrymander that they did, that even some Democrats have yeah. said that was went too far. You know, I just want to point out, even if we did a modest gerrymander, that just the, even the, the, the redistricting commission, if we took that one, we would have gained a couple of seats. They went too far. We're piggish. She was, I think she wrote the decision that struck that down. So she's not popular with Democrats or Republicans. And it might be, though, that there was some cloud of impropriety over her family that led her to want to... Now, I asked uh, Frank Morano to do a deep dive. I'm still waiting for him to get back to me with that information. Well, now now that he's a big deal in syndication and everything, I I can't get him to return my calls. Oh, the other side of midnight at night. By the way, I'll be substituting for him all week long from 1 to 5. I have no idea why. But, boy, you know, I'm like a Pac-Man. I just keep eating up the real estate. Beware, beware. But, Anthony... Question, so you're submitting your application. Is this a position where the governor can actually remove the chief judge? That's a good question. I think then it's that you have to impeach the the chief judge, Mm. and I think there is a provision in the state constitution that allows you to do that. Um, but I think I think I'll be immune from being impeached. What can they possibly say about me at this point, right? They basically accused me of everything anyway. I've already served time. I I am going to make the argument that I should be appointed because I am above reproach because I've already done everything wrong. There's nothing more for me to come up with, right? I've been a politician. I'm I'm here on the radio, so I hear common sense callers all the time about what common sense law enforcement should be should be all about. I was in Washington. I saw that cesspool to see how the laws and sausage are, is made. I think I'd be the perfect candidate for this. Now, earlier this week on uh, the uh, John Katsimatidis uh, five o'clock roundtable discussion, uh, he had one of his regular guests, Craig Eaton, the former GOP chairman in Brooklyn, who uh, comes out of Bay Ridge. Both John and Craig came up with the idea taking advantage of a nuance in the law because of the way these uh, primaries have been rearranged uh, because of uh, gerrymandering uh, accusations and such. So we have a bunch of primaries coming up in late August. And the head of the New York, uh, New York City Board of Elections said that right now you would be able to go in and you're ready to vote. I think it's August 23rd for the, the candidate of your choice, whether you're Republican or Democrat, obviously can only vote for your party. But if you want to change your registration that day or a day before, you have permission to do that at the voting site. And with such poor turnout, Anthony, especially with moderate Democrats being challenged by DSA Democrats and vice versa, it might be the margin of victory if, in fact, let's say 100 Republicans or 1,000 Republicans decided to become uh, renter Democrats for this election cycle. First of all, the ethics of it, uh, I would think, since we don't allow for same-day registration, how is it they're allowing for somebody to just walk in and say, today I am a Democrat as a Republican or an independent, but tomorrow – I go back to being what I was before, an independent or a Republican. Well, this kind of ironclad, only Democrats vote in Democratic primaries and only Republicans vote in Republican primaries, a lot of people have argued we should get rid of that because Democratic primaries in the city of New York really are choosing the nominee, uh, choosing the actual uh, outcome of the election. That's why, you know, we spent so much time. I, I remember when I was running for Congress, I just barely had defeated Melinda Katz, someone that you have some history with, and only by a few hundred votes. And I was stressed out. And Chuck Schumer calls me the next day, says, I need you down at headquarters because I've won the primary for Senate and I need you to work for me. And I'm like, Chuck, I, I got to be worried about my own election here. He says, you, the chances of you losing now that you're the nominee are zero. I have a tough race. And he turned out to be exactly right. I didn't have to do very much. So a lot of people have said for years, why not have more open primaries? We're going to find out. Liz Cheney in Wyoming, if she has a chance to get reelected to Congress, it's going to be because Democrats vote in her primary out in Wyoming. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Realistically, though, how many died in the world Republicans are going to get up 
go down to the primary place, check Democrat next to their box, and go cast a vote for someone who they would never th- consider voting for in 100 years. I don't think it's going to really happen. But um, this is a glitch that's only going to be in there for one year, but it's going to be a test. We're going to see. But if they do it, Anthony, that means we go to the paper ballots in a close election because these would be like provisional ballots you're filling out. They're not going to let you, you know, uh, scan. Because right, you're not going to be in the books yet. Right, right. right. So this will so be amazing. May well be John Katsimatidis and Craig Eaton's idea that they floated on the uh, five o'clock roundtable discussion. I'm sure they're going to flesh it out more. There was a New York Post uh, article about it by Carl Campanelli. So let's see where this takes. Right, and if and what if someone says I'm going to I'm going to focus on 300 voters and really pound on trying to get them to come out and change it. 300, let's say Republican voters, and I'm going to really target it. I'm going to say, listen, this is the way. 300 votes in a Democratic primary that has nine candidates is a lot of votes. Well, you... remember that 10th congressional district, that new district that uh, de Blasio dropped out of, still has 14 Democratic candidates. Yep. It's the one that I and John Katzmatidis said you should have jumped in on. You would have won the primary, Anthony. Judge Wiener. Judge Wiener. Get used to it. Okay. We're, we're, we're promoting that idea. You gave us a whole great list of ideas of what you would do if, in fact, uh, Kathy Hochul appointed you the chief judge to replace uh, uh, Fiore, who is retiring from the bench. Uh, up next, we got to talk Yankees versus Mets. Your guys were phenomenal. My guys bit the big one. Let's just be kind in terms of the words there in this Subway uh, series. And I'm telling you, I feel like I want to impale myself. Hopefully I don't bleed out before we return here on Left versus Right. It's Anthony Weiner, yours truly, Curtis. Here come the judge. Exclusively here on WABC. Here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. I don't think he could be any longer for Mick Jagger, who just uh, turned 79. He reminds me of Prune from the old Dick Tracy comic book series. But it's the Depends tour now as the Rolling Stones continue to roll along. Keith Richards, who has a spike in his arm, it might be fentanyl now instead of heroin. He survives against all odds. And uh, it brings us to the Subway Series with tried-and-true Met fan Anthony Weiner. What was the result? I, I, I missed. I haven't seen the newspapers. What was the result there, Curtis? The result of? Of the Subway Series. How did that, how did that go? Uh, I didn't quite catch it. Well, I... we're well ahead of the Tampa. Uh, Tampa, you know, we're on our way to uh, the American League Championship. Subway Series is when the Mets play the all-powerful, train-rolling New York Yankees, right? That happens a couple of times a season? Uh we had a few setbacks. Yes, I think. Let me look at my notes here. It looks like the Mets swept that series. Uh, yes, they did convincingly. Your starting pitchers are better than our starting pitchers, and you still have your ace, who's on the shelf to Grom, recovering. Yes, but Tuesday against the Nationals, he comes off the IR, so that's a big game. But never mind that. All kidding aside, did you see that judge? Aaron Judge is now the first major league player in history to have nine multi-home run games in his first 101 contests. That is amazing. This guy, I mean, I get, I mean, look, he is on not only an RBI pace, which I think is almost yours, you should give it to him now. He is getting into some historic air. I think he matched Babe Ruth's pace for uh, during Babe Ruth's 60-60 uh, home run season, so... Man, I got to tell you, but the Yankees are, they're just dusting off their cleats for the playoffs. The Mets, as you pointed out during the break, every time we look over our shoulder, the pesky Atlanta Braves are still there. So I'm, I'm, I'm not prepared to, 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 well, you have better starting, better starting pitching than we do. 
And you've got uh, Mini Mariano coming out of your bullpen, Diaz, who I thought was dead. I, this is, I, don't, I don't recognize this guy, and I keep waiting for him to turn back into a pumpkin, but he has been amazing. He uh, was brought over from Milwaukee where he was the ace out of the bullpen. Uh, the predictions were, oh, you know, you had Mariano Rivera. Okay, he's not Mariano Rivera, but he, he's a shutdown closer. And for years, you suffered. He was horrible. He was throwing gopher balls. As soon as the, the ball would leave his his hand, it, it had HR home run. Written well, all over actually, it. in fairness, he would wait. He would wait until the two outs in the ninth or the last pitch. He was just almost. You were just waiting to be punched in the stomach every time he took the mound uh, last season. But he's a different guy now. He looks he looks great. Degrom would be great to have him back. He didn't look amazing in his last outing. Um, but DeGrom's coming back on Tuesday. i got to tell you, this is a great time to be a New York baseball fan. It's, it's a, a lot now, of now, question, the difference in Diaz, because without a closer, you, you just you can't get into prime time in the playoffs and compete for the American and National League Championship. Is it Buck Walter? Do you think it is uh, his tone, the way he handles personalities, that has revived Diaz to becoming the number one closer again as he was with uh, Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Brewers I think years my, ago? My theory is closers in baseballs are like goalies in hockey, that it's a head game. Like, if you feel like you're invincible, you are. If you feel your piss selection becomes clairvoyant, you get a, a better feel for it. I think it's, it's like, it, I think the... The difference between the average closer and the great ones are just mental toughness, and he seems to be much more confident. Just like I said, we were waiting for him to fail last season. I'm sure he was too, and I, I, he just seems to be a much more confident pitcher. But Now, uh, I know you say Aaron Judge uh, might well be on his way to break the Babe Ruth record of 60 uh, home runs in a season, or Roger Maris is 61 for the Yankees, obviously superseded by slamming Sammy Roided Sosa and Mark McGuire and Bonds, but... I believe you saw when Maris and Mantle went at it in 61. Mantle ended up with 54. He got injured towards the end, and obviously Maris was 61. They were back and forth. It was competitive. Stanton was the competitor there because he hits the bombs too. Right. He's as good as Judge on any given day in terms of hitting home runs. He now is in that injury cycle, which we always worry about, Stanton and Judge. And Judge, yeah. The quad, the quad. Uh, We never knew what quads were before. (laughs) Now, all of a sudden, it keeps straining the quads. And I'm saying to myself, yeah, he might break the record, but I think he needs Stanton in that lineup so that towards the end of the season, pitchers are not just going to avoid grooving home run pitches to Aaron Judge because then they know they got to face Stanton, who can hit a bomb as long and as as good as Aaron Judge does. And I know that he's your favorite Yankee, even though you're not a Yankee fan, because you go to the judge's corner there in Yankee Stadium. The fans, they wear the black regal robes. They have the judge's gavel. Now, do you think I could do you a solid and convince them in the next home game that in uh, judge's corner there, where they're all judges, they're all in black regal robes, they all have the judge's gavel, to hold up signs that says Wiener for Chief Judge yeah. in New York State. I, I think that's, I think, ju- look, Judge Congressman Wiener, Judge Wiener, the jokes just write themselves. I Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think I would look pretty good in those those black robes. Maybe I'll get one of those powdered wigs. I think they still wear those oh. in, 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 in Great Britain. I can get one of those when powdered I got, wigs. When I got uh, stabbed in Wandsworth in a council estate in South London and went to Brixton, the police station to ID uh, the suspects, we went to the Old Bailey which is their criminal court. And I got to tell you, then they still had the powdered wigs. The barristers, the barristers who are the lawyers say very little. It's the judge who is the inquisitor. The judge writes everything in a diary, in a log. The judge can't fall asleep. If he falls asleep, there's right. no trial. But do you realize the history of Major League Baseball? Somebody who was a judge could eventually go on to become the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Just think, Judge Landis, right? That's right. How many years he was in charge. So, chief judge of the New York State Appeals Court tomorrow. And you could eventually become the commissioner of Major League Baseball like Judge Land. This is true. Now, there's there's stuff. I have to write a 500-word essay. I, I don't. I, maybe I'll get some really smart lawyer to help me with that about why I want the job. Or I could just I, – maybe I'll just send this tape up to uh, Kathy Hochul. And um, I uh, think uh, – 
I don't think you want to include me on any tape that goes to Governor this, this, this is my bipartisan left versus right and middle appeal. That's, that's what this I, is. I understand, but as you know, I've cast my full support uh, behind Congressman Zeldin and his lieutenant governor candidate, uh, Esposito. I am no friend of Kathy Hochul, so... Um, I think you may want to go a different route. So what do you think? you think crime is going to be the issue in the governor's race, or is it going to be the economy? or is It, it seems kind of hopeless. The, the registration is so much in favor of Democrats in this state. I mean, Zeldin seems to be he's making crime the issue. I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's, it's going to be enough to pull him over the, over the finish line. Though. You are going to see in the waning days of the campaign, Governor Hochul will be out there before every group of women talking about the repeal of Roe v. Wade. If she can get suburban women who might actually have leaned in the direction of Republicans because of the crime issue to suddenly say the repeal of Roe v. Wade is uh, the most important issue, uh, that might halt Lee Zeldin in his tracks. And as you know, if he doesn't get 30 percent or more of the vote in New York City, five boroughs, which he has to get, it could be all red all over the state. he got to get at least 30 percent or more. And that's why I'm helping him, because I got close to 30 percent in the mayoral race against Eric Adams, which was quite good for a Republican candidate of late. And so that's the path to victory. He's going to do tremendously well in Nassau and Suffolk. He's got to get more than 30 percent. Yeah, but you're forgetting something. TDH, Trump derangement syndrome. If you want to animate a blue state, you can watch Hochul. If Ho- if you Here's how you're going to be able to tell Zeldin's getting close. If Hochul starts going on the air talking about how... Lee Zeldin voted to overturn the results of the election, supported Donald Trump in doing that. That's the ultimate ace in the hole to, to, to Democrats. This is still is still a blue state. And by the way, I have, I don't believe I think you know crime is a good issue. I would pound on the economy also. Like all these underlying issues are bad for Democrats. So right you know now. what I'm going to do? I'm going to call up uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin now that I'm supporting him. We'll be out at the Dominican parade in the Bronx tomorrow. Grand Concourse at 12, 160, 176, uh, and the Grand Concourse. Come out and meet and greet uh, Lee Zeldin. Yours truly, Curtis Lee. But I'm going to encourage him to support you to become the head judge of the New York State Court of Appeals. That will guarantee that you'll be dead on arrival in front of Kathy, <laughs> Governor Kathy Hochul's desk. But good luck with this. Here come the judge. Once again, Curtis and Anthony, left versus right. We don't just talk about the news. We don't just give commentary on the news. Anthony made the news earlier today on his show in the middle. He's thrown his New York Mets cap into the race to replace the New York State uh, top justice of the appeals court, Fury, who has uh, left. Can you imagine? Here comes the judge, Anthony Weiner. What could be better? Man, I'll be in like Flynn when I come before you in the many times that I've been arrested. Go, Andy, go! Go, Andy, go! See you at the Furry Hawks game momentarily as we take on the NYPD and then the Furry Hawks take on the Lancaster, Bond Burners, Bond Bills, or whatever they're called here, exclusively on WABC.